Welcome to In The News, Conversations Around Security, a new and dynamic podcast where we dissect the day's headlines through the critical lens of security risk management and where awareness meets analysis. Join us on the 1st and 15th of each month as we bring you a fresh episode packed with informative debates, expert analysis, and thought-provoking insights offering a nuanced perspective on the stories that shape our world. So buckle up and join us for a look at what's in the news, conversations around security. Hello, folks, and welcome to our new podcast called In the News, Conversations Around Security. I'm your host, Luciano Cedroni, and with me is my co-host, Brian Clayman. Uh, it's been a while, Brian, but it's good to be back. And uh, for our listeners, just so they know, our new format is going to be um, a bi-weekly show. We're going to be posting on the 1st of every month and the 15th of every month. Uh, we will try and stick to that schedule as difficult as it can be at, uh, at times. We both run uh, busy lives. And uh, I think the new series, we're going to be focusing more on general uh, conversations about what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world. But of course, always looking at that through our security perspective and seeing how that uh, how those things come back and impact the everyday world around us in terms of safety and security. So before we get into today's topic, which is going to be transitioning from observe and report to intervention capable guarding or, or Brian, where have you been? How are things been going? And just a quick hello to our audience. It's great to be back. Boy, that was painful, that opening uh, segment, but it's great to be back. I'm excited about the new format. Uh, it's going to be, I think, really good. I think we're lining up some interesting guests, people that are in the news or know of the news. And we're going to try and keep it really topical about things that are happening as we speak so that it's fresh, it's current. It's not going to be uh, necessarily focused on the industry, but it's really going to be topical. And as you said, stuff that's in the news that has an excess to security is what we're going to focus on. So looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. And uh, you hit that... Uh point on the head that we are looking to bring in uh, a lot of guest speakers. We had great success with that in our previous version. Um, and so I look forward to uh, meeting new people going forward, new experts and sharing those conversations with our with our listeners. Getting to today's topic, we're going to be talking about a topic which is near and dear to me, and I know what it is to you. Um, and that is the transition or transitioning in your case, because you thoroughly believe that we need to the need to transition from this observe and report posture, which is so freaking popular in the one of more intervention uh, capable or engagement type of a, of a security program. So I'm going to ask you to open up the topic conversation. What do you mean by that? And well, then- you know, for years, and it still exists in many situations, uh, many client type situations where guards are used. Uh, w- there's been a model which we've called observe and report, really observe and report. It's just that the role of security is to observe what's occurring and report it so that there can be some intervention by a third party, either the client's management, police, fire. But they've been dissuaded, uh, in most cases, not to intervene, do not get involved. The old adage which comes to mind is, you're not the police, don't play policeman, uh, just observe and report. That's worked in the past in many cases. But for a myriad of reasons that we're gonna get into in a second, I don't think that works anymore. Uh, I I think, uh, you know, from where I'm coming from as a consultant, uh, clients pay lots of money for security. We're talking about, you know, commercial uh, clients, commercial property managers, shopping malls, 
it's not uncommon to spend 600,000 to $2 million a year on security guards. Okay, that's not counting your cameras and your other uh, countermeasures and technologies that are employed. So you have to ask yourself, why is someone going to all the trouble of spending all that money? What is its purpose? Well, there's a mistaken or there's a belief on the part of the client anyways, that security at least will be a deterrent and they'll take care of business if we need them. But there's been an evolution which has been occurring. Yeah. And I can get into some of the things that have happened, but I'm of the belief that it doesn't work anymore, or at least it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work anymore as the mainstay. Yeah, I, there's been a lot of changes since, uh, well, certainly in the last few years. I don't want to say since COVID because I think it was already happening before COVID. Um, and I think some of the things that are playing into the changes in the landscape, if you will, are the uh, certainly the pressures on law enforcement. Uh, the reason the climbing resources makes you know what used to be a 20 minute wait for guards having someone under arrest or or getting police response you know in, in under 20 minutes may have been possible in the past now you're talking about you know it's not unlikely for them to be five six seven eight hours uh, if, if they at, come all. at all depending on the type of of request that you have out there um but i will say that it's interesting what i've been seeing is that uh there's there's still this this resistance to go down the road of of uh, intervention type of, of security because of this misbelief that you know they're not the police to your point but they uh, it, it's more liable more liability going down that road than just watching and calling the police let's hold that thought towards the end of our discussion okay because I think I just want to build the case right now and I think you 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 touched on it. Uh, what I call the changing landscape of law, law enforcement or emergency response, but especially law enforcement. If you think of observing report, you see something, you say something, okay? So you report it with the idea that someone's going to do something. The reality is that's not going to happen anymore. Law enforcement agencies worldwide, and specifically uh, in Canada, okay, they're grappling with a myriad of challenges ranging from budget constraints to personnel shortages. Uh, crime is, or calls for service is spiking. And there's a limited amount, a finite amount of resources available to respond to the calls for service that are occurring. There's also a, a belief or a practice on a part of law enforcement that their focus is not gonna be towards people, big corporations, large properties, that have the resources to take care of most of the things that will happen. They're gonna focus on, they're gonna prioritize those calls for service. And to your point, it's not uncommon to wait hours and hours or if get, get a police response at all. So it's this change in that landscape, which is sort of driving the change in the model. It does you no good to have security officers that first of all, aren't trained uh, uh, to the right level, standing and watching something happen and do nothing. It serves no point. You don't need to spend a million dollars a year to uh, have a security guard program if they're not going to be effective. So to me, I think it's that change in the landscape, law enforcement landscape, which is driving this. Whether we want to go there or not, that's where uh, the industry has to go. And that's what the clients are demanding. Yeah, but I don't think it's just law enforcement. I think it's more than that. I think what you're seeing in the courts, uh, certainly civil courts, the judgments against companies who have had security just sit there and do absolutely nothing, end up getting found 
liable or or guilty of providing security service only for the sake of saying they have security. But it does nothing more than that. So I don't think it's just the police issue that that's that's changing the environment. I think legally the expectations on people, certainly property owners, to keep people safe and secure goes beyond just putting a shirt on that says security. There has to be some capacity there, or certainly there's an expectation by the people who come to your property that those people who have those shirts on can do something other than just pick up a phone and call 911. Years ago, you know, it would have worked because the person in the shirt, even if they weren't trained, they would call 911 or they call for police service and the response would be very timely. I mean, you know, if it was an emergency, you'd have someone there in minutes. And if it wasn't an emergency, they'd be there within an hour. The courts are just making it all the more complicated. And you're entirely right. There is a duty of care that the property managers or a business owner has to ensure that A, they have a safe environment, B, if necessary, have a security component to the operations of that environment, and three, that security component is capable of doing uh, the right thing. There's a really hot video going around right now, and I posted on my uh, uh, LinkedIn page recently of about a, a robbery that occurred in Brampton, I think. I don't know the shopping uh, name of the shopping mall, but it was cut on videotape with, uh, I think, three people were doing a strong-arm robbery, breaking glass in a jewelry store, and... Uh, uh, stealing uh, jewelry and security of that wall who i think did a fantastic job responded and at first there was two guards and then there were three and they were assessing the situation they were talking to the guy and there were four now these guards responded out of the intervention model okay they didn't just sit there observe and report they actually did something but let's roll it back for a second you said, Luke, earlier that there still are many uh, uh, companies that mm-hmm. want the observer report. There's many security practitioners, people like us, that believe yeah. in observer report. How would it have looked? What would the optics have been that you had three or four security guards watching this and do nothing? Yeah. Or God forbid someone gets hurt and they do nothing because they're observing. They've got a great description. They're relaying it to 911. But this is real time. It's happening as we speak. How would it look? And forget about how it would look, okay? How would that play out in terms of duty of care? You talked about the courts. If someone uh, sued the uh, building operator or the building owner to say, hey, listen, you know, you had security people there. They watched my store get pummeled. They watched my staff get beaten up and they did nothing but had their notebooks out there. That's another driver. The, The security threats that are out there are more complex and dynamic than ever before. And although the threat environment has evolved dramatically in the last 10 years, and it's on hyper speed the last five years, guarding hasn't changed in a thousand years. It sounds to me like, you know, we essentially agree on the fact that guarding needs to be more involved. And I've always been a supporter of that. I remember my one of my first um, engagements with a private sector security manager, um, when I came over to the private sector was exactly that when he told me that, you know, his guards were absolutely going to observe and report and he was okay with that. And then that of course was followed up with, so if your mother's getting the crap kicked out of her, you're okay with that. And he actually said, yeah, which just astounded me, but that still speaks to the ignorance that's out there in large part. Um, But I'll tell you refreshingly from my own personal experience during my day job, I am seeing more property managers starting to say, why do we have security there? If they're not able to do anything, if they're only expected to just watch, and that video you're talking about has been the genesis of some of those conversations over the last couple of weeks, um, they, they're they rethinking 
you know, the, the value that that security brings to the table and what their role is. So really, I think we're transitioning to your next point, which is that security shouldn't be like it's it's a it's not a luxury. Sorry, it's a necessity going forward. That's 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 where the model needs to go. Would that be correct? Yeah, no, I would agree. And it needs to go there because th there's no one else doing it. You, you know, the security, I was speaking to a colleague uh, and a friend of mine who's a retired deputy chief of police with the large GTA uh, service, and he agrees 100%. The, the crime's not going away and disorder's not going away, but what is going away is the ability of police to respond. It's not that they don't want to, they just can't. They have to decide, are we going to go to the guy that's causing a disturbance or maybe stealing from a uh, retailer? Are we going to go to the guy, the crime in progress where someone's being knifed? or assaulted so it's really a matter of prioritization and really i think uh we have to go to this model because response times if you look if you're relying on someone to respond are just off the chart you're lucky if they come at all N not to say that if there's a shooting or a major incident at your property you're not going to get a response but thankfully most of the things that happen aren't at that magnitude. Nonetheless, they are important enough to uh, necessitate some sort of response. It isn't going to be a police response. So re reduced response times, crime deterrence. You know, in this video it was interesting. Those bad guys, if you, uh, and we'll post it on our website, uh, uh, or you can go to my LinkedIn page to see the video. But those bad guys that were doing this were not at all afraid of security until security uh, intervened. And I would suspect, and I don't know firsthand, they weren't afraid because they were thinking of Paul Blart, the mall cop, yeah. that nothing was going to happen. And they brazenly or brazenly continue to uh, commit uh, their, their burglary or robbery in the presence of security. They were surprised and scared when security actually intervened. So there's the deterrence factor. If you've got guards that are there, and if people know the guards are not going to do anything, there's no deterrence. Why bother having the guards? The last thing is, it's uh, enhancing public safety. The reality is a lot of what happens uh, in Toronto or in a any large Canadian city doesn't happen on the street. It's happening on private property. It's happening in shopping malls, in office towers, in Toronto, it's happening in the path. So those are the three reasons we need to go to that model. But I would just sort of dovetail in the interest of time, if we go to that model and if we're thinking, okay, we're looking at uh, uh, security officers or security guards, that are going to be involved in the intervention model, and they're going to uh, do more than just uh, observe and report. Does the current model uh, lend itself easily to just transitioning? And I say yes in some cases and no in most cases. I think in order to do this transition, uh, there's three things that have to happen. I think we have to increase training standards, and guards have to have the training and the skill set to deal with the new expectations that they're going to be uh, for, uh, faced with. There has to be use of force guidelines that are established and uh, are maintained. And there has to be accountability measures, okay? If security, okay, if private security is going to be taking on a more of a public uh, response because the cavalry are not coming anymore, there needs to be oversight. And what I'm talking about is not oversight of the property managers or the building owners, not the guard companies. I think government has to get involved, just, like police be... have, that if we're going to allow security to do more, not become policemen, but to do more to enhance public safety, they have to be uh, operating to a standard and answerable. That's to uh, protect the public. Because 
just do Google search about security being sued. There are tons of horror stories where security guards that are untrained overstep their boundaries. They may have met well, and they do things that are just wrong and outright dangerous. So if you say that, you know, you want to change the model, we've got to change the whole thing, the training, we got to attract a different caliber of person, but there's got to be accountability and there's got to be regulatory accountability. And I know my industry colleagues, especially in the contract guard business, aren't going to like that. But if we're going to have the guards do more uh, from an intervention point of, of view and uh, get in people's faces if necessary, there's got to be legal boundaries and there's got to be a regulatory mechanism to protect the public. It's not just about, you know, getting the better guards. I think... Uh... You know, there's some really good guards out there, and I yep. think agreed. Point, I've I've seen some really good contractors trying to to get to the level that we're talking about, but I think this leads me to my to my uh, my my comments. There needs to be a significant change in the culture of the industry um, because we've accepted this mediocrity. They accept the fact that they can, and this is on the client side as well. Like. As, as long as the clients believe that they can get away with observe and report type security, then that's what they're going to pay for. They're not going to pay for anything more. So until they get their butt suit off, um, and that has happened, unfortunately, we don't get enough um, media exposure sort of highlighting that. So they don't think it's going to happen to them until it does. So I think that that's a real problem. And you see that with companies like, you know, I think it was Lululemon that fired their two employees when they tried to stop people from stealing from the store. Right. They, and they and they fire their own employees. What does that tell you about what they think about security? Like the security is even lower than their employees. Right. Traditionally. So that I think needs to happen. I think government needs to lead the way. But I think that's the biggest challenge because government has proven itself to be a deadbeat, you know, a deadbeat dad. It's absent its responsibility in most areas of, of our society. It's failed in social programs. It's failed in keeping people safe and secure. That's why we're seeing people take things into their own hands. And sort of supports what we're saying that we need to step up because government is failing us in being able to provide that that level of protection. Well, I, I think what's going to happen is I think organizations and my clients right now, especially those that operate big office complexes, malls, uh, we're telling them that they've got to shift from observer report to intervention. I think what's going to happen is the public is going to demand it. I mean, government doesn't do anything because they're doing the right thing. They do things because they're politically forced into a corner. And I think what's going to happen is Either we need more cops, we need better response times, and if that's not going to happen anytime soon and it's not, then the private sector is going to have to make sure that the people that use their facilities are safe. And if they do that, then the public is going to have to say, listen, I like the TTC is a great example. I want to have security on the TTC, and if I can't have cops on the TTC, I want to have trained security guards that are accountable. And it's not going to be easy, but till that happens, we're going to be in this quagmire where we're all over the place. I'll just end because I think we're coming to the end of our uh, a lot of time. I'll just end by saying, just do a Google search and look at litigation for wrong uh, wrongful security, negligent security. And you'll see companies, uh, property companies, uh, corporations and guard companies that lose because they weren't doing the right thing. They didn't give the guards the tools to do the work that they needed to do. And then look at those that win. And I'm not going to mention any names, but there's a couple of uh, notable cases recently where there were big high profile cases against the building 
and against uh, their security for negligent security. And they were successful because they were able to demonstrate we didn't have an observer report model. We had guards that were highly trained. We had guards that were highly supervised. So we're there. We're moving that direction. But I think government's going to have to force the issue. One last thing I would say, and I would love to get comments from our listeners yeah. in the contract business. One of the things I'm hearing from uh, my uh, industry colleagues is that the regulator, certainly in Ontario, seems to be asleep at the switch. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not staffed. They don't, you know, the few police officers in the OPP that are seconded there are not enough. They're not doing proactive measures. They're just trying to keep their head above the water. Is it going to take a catastrophe, someone get killed before the regulatory framework uh, gets to the level it needs to? Well, and and to that point, I would say, what is a catastrophe? Because we had a guard killed, you know, just a few months ago, or actually a few weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago that we had a guy shot. Yeah, at yeah. the casino, we've had uh, one in Guelph, I think, shortly thereafter, beaten uh, beaten severely. And there was another one, uh, a colleague of mine told me, in Western Canada that was killed. I, when I was in my other life uh, for a large commercial property company, we had a contract guard uh, murdered in a parking garage. So it is happening, you know, and if we don't prepare our guards uh, and take their safety and security safely, yeah. and uh, I think the regulator really has to step up. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I'll tell you, in preparing for this, I, I'll, I'll end on this. In preparing for this, I uh, I did some research, and, and as you know, I'm part of the Canon 911 Rife Foundation, and that's a foundation that supports uh, emergency service workers that have been died, their families that were killed in the line of duty. And there's a ton of data on incidents, police and fire and EMS, uh, people that get injured or killed on duty. I tried to look at the data of uh, guards that are injured or killed on duty. It doesn't exist. Yeah, no one I is know. tracking this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there, this is a call to the industry that maybe we got to form some sort of association. Because if we don't have the data, we can't move this debate forward. You know, I was shocked to hear there's been so many uh, uh, stories of guards injured recently. When I try and look at what the trends are, is it worst? Is it average? It, it just doesn't exist. Yeah, there's no there's no effective overseeing association. And having spoken and worked with some of the contract uh, services, they they're they're very fragmented. They're very and, and like I said, there's some of them really trying to do the right thing, but the industry itself is sort of self uh, self it eats itself up. You know, you bang down the, the highest uh, the highest performer, bring them down to, to the to the lowest common denominator, which is unfortunate. The other thing I'll end off with is the fact that a lot of these commercial real estate uh, operations continue to think that a guy in a suit or a girl in a suit is what they call security. And, and given our conversation today, what's gone on in the news, it's getting more violent out there. There's no freaking way that you can deny that. Um, and I would challenge them to reassess their programs, maybe give you know give you a call and have you come in and take a look at that. But at the end of the day, they need to be they need to do what's right for their guards. And they're putting them at the pointy end of the stick, so to speak. And that means giving them the tactical outlook if they need it, the tactical suit. That means giving them body armor if they need it, depending on where they are. I'm a strong proponent proponent of them having those things regardless of where they're at because by definition you're putting them in harm's way potentially you're asking them to deal with somebody you don't want on the property or is doing something that you don't like so it's not fair to the guards you've got to give them the tools and training to do uh what we expect of them um so with that i'm going to wrap this episode up i hope our listeners will continue to enjoy our conversation and to your point brian please comment below let us know what your thoughts are um if you think we're wrong 
tell us if you think we're right. It's good to hear that we're on the right track. Otherwise, let us know uh, what you want to hear. We'll, we'll look at some other topics. Please listen to us on um, on any of your major podcast services, you know, whether it be Apple, Spotify. We're on all of the major ones, so you just look us up. Um, it's going to be in the news, um, conversations around security. That'll be our new title going forward. Um, and also, you can listen or you can watch us at brianclayman.com.podcast or slash podcast. Um, other than that, I think that wraps us up for today. We look forward to airing this on December 1st, and we'll come back to you with a second episode on December 15th. Till then, take care, stay safe, 